Hi, and welcome to another episode of Mrs. Motivation with me, your host, Chrissy Clemente. Today, I am beyond honored to have with me my good friend, Dr. Alexis Rose. Um, We met while I was at a Spirit Junkie Masterclass Level 2 at Cropalo in Boston or in Massachusetts somewhere, not in Boston, in the Berkshires. And um, when I met her and we got like put in this group together about leading meditations. I was so um, taken away by her way with words and her ability to just be a channel for spirit. And if you know her, then you're going to naturally gravitate towards her because she's just such a beautiful, kind soul filled with knowledge. I mean, she's a doctor. So, you know, she's like, got it. And, um, and so I'm just honored to have her here today. And, um, so thank you. Thank you for coming and being on the show today. I'm so excited. Cause this is like something we've talked about doing for such a long time and we're finally getting around to doing it. So I think it's going to be so awesome because now everyone's going to get to experience that magic that we felt back in 2018 in our group together. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that because it's not that in this moment you're holding my feet to the fire, but I'm going to hold my feet to the fire. I asked you to come on this podcast like a few times already. And then I just was going through these like lows and where I was like asking people like come on the show. And then I wasn't ever interviewing or recording episodes. And I've acknowledged that a couple of times on the podcast where I just like went into a little bit of a creative lull and like now I'm back. And I think that even though that podcast episode would have been amazing when I first asked you, I know that this is going to be um, extremely transformational and, and helpful for a lot of people just because you, um, you have come to learn so much more since then. And I've been able to witness that in you And so um, just thank you for bearing with me and for being a friend and just being supportive and loving no matter what. So, and I agree with you a hundred percent. I feel like I'm a fine, like I believe 100% that everything happens for a reason and everything happens with intention. And so, yeah, we could have had this podcast episode like forever ago. Right. But we knew what we knew then and what we know now is completely different. I think for both of us and we're both in a different place in our life where we both have had ebbs and flows. And I think that that speaks to a lot of people who are listening to this podcast right now, who have listened to your episodes before, like there are highs and lows in life. And like, if we're transparent, we're authentic about that with intention, then people can relate to that, right? Like who can't relate to like, being at a low point in their life or then having a success that you want to like celebrate and announce to the whole world. Right. Exactly. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about what you do and how it has related to me. And so just to like give a little bit of background, you know, um, Dr. Alexis really works in ancestral healing, generational trauma, And so that can come up in many different ways in our lives, like your mom picking on you that you gained too much weight, but then also overfeeding you when you're at your house, (laughs) at her house. So like, that's one aspect. Um, But there's just a lot of things that come up for people 
And I don't think it's labeled as generational trauma or ancestral healing. So maybe you could speak to that like a little bit. Yeah, I think the biggest areas that people don't realize that intergenerational trauma impacts them is in their relationships with their significant other, um, their friendships. Um, if they own their own business, it impacts their career. Um, if they're working like a corporate nine to five job or just like a regular, like they're working at Starbucks, it impacts their ability to how they receive leadership and, and engage with authority figures. It also impacts like love, right? Like how you receive love, how you give love. And I think that people are so used to hearing the word trauma and they automatically assume that it has to be like the higher end of the scale and that big trauma, the big T traumas. And they don't realize that trauma happens on a spectrum. There's the little T traumas that are like smaller, like abandonment, neglect, like childhood trauma of like not being heard, not being listened to or being ignored and how that was nestled in childhood, but it has grown into adolescence and adulthood. And it impacts the way that we think that we, um, the way we think in relationships, the way that we engage with one another, the energy that we carry into those relationships. I always call it like, there's this um, trauma residue that comes with you into relationships and that is, that is what gets played out in all your relationships, whether it's with work, friends, or with significant others. And I think that's the piece that people miss because yeah. they're so busy trying to like quantify by saying, well, my trauma is not your trauma. Like you have so much worse or like they minimize like their experience. And that's why a lot of people don't address the intergenerational trauma because they're too busy comparing to other people saying it's not that big of a deal. Or, or people... I recently was in a situation where I felt like I looked at a person and they really seemed to have it like all together. I mean, like real dressed, like face beat to the, to the heavens. And later that day, I just saw them like crumble and really just break and in such an emotionally heartbreaking way that I was just like, there's so much happening within this person because of whatever's happening in, you know, in this space, they're being activated within their body and they don't feel like they can come out with that. And what does that feel like? Some people are like, well, you know, I'm tougher for keeping it in. I'm always the person who's like, I think you're tougher for letting it out. I have the opposite um, because I think a lot of these things like should be shared. You know, I was able to hold space for the person in the capacity that they wanted me to. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that there's just a, so much hurt and pain within people. And like, you can... <clears throat> create whatever facade you want but at the end of the day those blocks are keeping you from growing in your relationships with other people like how you said right and so it, it's interesting that you use the word blocks I think that has been the common term that people use um like in the spiritual community right it's like energetic blocks or thought blocks and and really what we're talking about is like societal constructs Mm -hmm. And instead of like 
really putting a name to it, we use the word blocks, which is like very general. And so when you grow up in a society that tells you, you have to look like a certain type of way, you have to think a certain type of way, and you have to like uphold a certain image that is indoctrinated into every single person via social media, um, television, the news, like, you know, everything that we are fed as a society is ingrained in separation, right? We don't have lots of conversations about what does it mean to like go through something in a community and to have communal healing as a collective. And so there's so much focus on individualization that that creates separation from people, right? Like I can't fully connect with you if I am not actively sharing my truth and if I'm not being authentic and if I'm not being transparent. And so a lot of people are putting up these facades because they're like, this is what people want to see of me, right? And it's not just like societal constructs that are upholding these patterns. It's also family dynamics that uphold that, right? And the family comes from society. And so everything is just like getting passed down where it's like society says this, your family like takes that on. They then instill it in the children. And then you grow up thinking this is what your life is supposed to look like. And this is who you're supposed to be. And this is how you're supposed to act. And this is how you're supposed to look. And this is how, what you're supposed to learn. This is when you should have kids. This is when you should get married. Like the whole checklist, right? Just saying that is exhausting (laughs) because So many things fired off in my head when you said it. I was just like, yeah. Right. Because it's like this, this construct and this concept of this is what it looks like to function in our world. And if you do something outside of those parameters, then there's something wrong with you. And so people feel like I don't want to be weird. I don't want to like be disconnected. So instead they force a disconnection by only showing a certain part of their life are only presenting a certain type of image. And what it really does is just creates more separation all so that they can feel some type of sense of belonging. And I'm doing that in quotation marks because as humans, we're meant to connect with others. And so if I know that I need to connect with other people and the only way I'm going to connect with them is to portray a certain image, then that's what I'm gonna do. And that is how trauma gets passed down intergenerationally. It's like, well, this is what this generation went through. So this is how they perceive you need to look in society. It gets passed down in their family. And then the next generation has other things that they go through and it just keeps going down the line. Yeah. And I think that what, like one of the more, for lack of a better term of terminology, the most messed up thing is once they, see somebody in their lineage trying to break the curse they're like no this is how we are but then they'll complain about the way that things are it's just really it's um like you know don't be don't for in my situation let's just say like don't overshare Mm -hmm. don't overshare you you know don't tell your feelings you don't you don't keep that's not your business but then you know, when that person is going through it and they're like, I have no one to talk to. I have no one to tell what's going on with me. It's like, you're choosing not to. And then when I choose to tell, it's like, you're shunning me because you're feeling like you wish you could. And like, that's the way you want things to have been for you. And you see someone else doing that change, but like, 
It's almost threatening. That's the word though, right? It's, it is threatening because what you're talking about is like, you have that one person that's like, oh, I see the way that our family is structured. I see the way society is structured. I'm not willing to go along with that. And so instead, what I want to do is shift into a different um, dynamic, into a different paradigm. And so by shifting into that alternate paradigm, I'm automatically telling you, I'm going against what you believe in and what you've worked your whole life and put effort into. So there is that piece that is threatening because this is how people have survived is to follow the, the societal construct and the paradigms. And so if you start to shift out of that and you do something different, what kicks in is like, well, you're going against our survival patterns. This is how it's always been. And if you're doing something different, are you going to survive? So that's the first thing. Then the second piece of it is that then it's like, okay, they see you thriving, not just surviving, but thriving, doing the shift and being in a different paradigm and doing engaging in different belief systems and, and actions and behaviors and relationships. And then it becomes this piece about like, well, now I'm jealous because like, I don't know if that's, if I'm capable of doing that. Right. So then they start to look at themselves and they're like, well, am I capable of having that in my life? Right. And I think that some people are so scared to, and I've been there, right? Like so scared to like take a step in a different direction because you feel like you're going to lose that false sense of like belonging and safety Mm -hmm. that it, it keeps you like playing small and it keeps you in that pattern of like being held down. Right. Again, like we know, like our society is focused on like really keeping people in their place, especially in marginalized communities. Right. And like, when we look at the cultural aspects of that, so many individuals of color are so afraid to do the generational um, trauma work because it's like, am I going to be punished for this? And is this going to benefit? Like, is the outcome going to benefit what I'm experiencing right now? Right. You're exactly right. It breaks my heart though. You know, like I just see, I, I recently met up with my family this weekend and I am hosting a women's event in June and I was telling, you know, someone about it. And they're like, I want to come as a participant. And now this person is a medium, an amazing medium. And I was like, okay, I'm inviting you as a vendor. I think you should share your, your, you know, your skills. And it's just like, when she reads you, it's like, no, it's real. And they're like, you know what? I, I, I'm just going to come as a participant. And I said, why? Like, you know, you have this gift and because of your gift, I've been able to acknowledge my gift. And she said, that's funny, but because of your gift, I've been able to acknowledge my gift because my whole now in Spanish culture, we're very religious, but like at the same time, like there's this weird thing about spirituality and knowing the future where it's very taboo. And it's like, santerias and like you know it's witchcraft and stuff like that right so this person um was shunned and was like you know you're crazy you got like a mental problem like none of this stuff is real like quiet down those fucking weird voices that you're hearing you know this is this cannot be your path like choose something else and then once I started to like come into myself they were like you know what like why did I listen to this like 
I can be whatever I want, but you're right. Like you're kind of told what you can do, like what your capabilities are, what you shouldn't do. And like, if you choose to go against the grain, you know, it can be really assaulting for some people and really hurtful for you because you're going back through all of that trauma where you were suppressed, where your talents were like limited by others. And um, it's kind of, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And this is where I'm going to tease out even more of like what you're speaking to, right? So we're talking about in Hispanic culture, the first things that come to mind is this is witchcraft. This is like bad. Um, this is mental illness. You're crazy. Like cut it out, right? How many Latin cultures were colonized? And when they were colonized, they were told what you're doing is bad. It's wrong. It's witchcraft. And they were killed for this, right? Natural healers killed for this. And so that is a theme of generational trauma that has been passed down in families where these gifts are coming out in other generations. And they're like, no, 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 you have to be quiet. Otherwise, X, Y, Z is going to happen. because of the trauma from the past and it's like we're living in a in a society in a world where so many people are coming out with all the gifts that they have and not only are they coming out with the gifts that they have but they are helping other people and they're uplifting society and they're and they're helping people get through things that they normally wouldn't have been able to before and it's because they're speaking out and it's because they're showing up about their gifts that, that we're really helping humanity heal. And so, yeah, old school generations are going to be like, shut up. Don't talk about that because in the past, this is what happened. We were killed for that. Like our ancestors were literally killed because of that. Yeah. And so when you look back and when people start doing like their ancestry work, like this is where they really see like where they came from. And it's like super powerful because there's just like a mixture of who you think you are, especially for like individuals who their countries were colonized. Like they're like, that's part of like your lineage. Like when you do like, I know for me, like, I'll just say it because it's like right there. It's like, I know for me, when I did my ancestry test, Like, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy peasy. It's just going to come back like 95% Puerto Rican and like whatever other little percentages, you know, after that. That's actually not what happened. So what happened is that like majority of my um, ancestry DNA showed that I had a significant percentage of um, Spain, like old school Spain. Um, And then I also had a significant percentage um, from Portugal. And then I had like actual indigenous Puerto Rican, but that was the third highest. Wow. So it's like, when you look back at your history, history is going to show you the, like the cultural implications and the ancestral like trauma that has happened that is there for you to like work through. And the reason I bring this up is because a lot of um, people are like, 
well, I'm just focusing on like, you know, my generation, my parents, and then my grandparents, they're just focusing on the three generations, but they're not looking at like the whole lineage and everything that kind of came through that. And then they're wondering like, why am I having such a hard time in the spiritual world and in the present? And it's because a lot of the energy work that they're doing and a lot of the um, like rewiring of the neural pathways and, and limiting beliefs that they're reconstructing are not their own. They're from like ancestral and they're not understanding that fully. Right. They're like, they're thinking it's their stuff and they're not realizing that that's stuff that they're carrying for someone else. And so they're sitting there, they're trying to do cord cuttings. They're trying to like do affirmations. They're trying to do all this stuff. And they're not recognizing like, it's not your shit. Like it's literally someone else's stuff that you're carrying in your body, in your DNA. And you don't even know it. And you don't even know it. Been subconsciously ingrained in you. Mm -hmm. And it's in the body, right? So the body, we know that the body carries trauma and the body carries, um, all this, like the body carries trauma, but the body also carries medicine, right? And so you have to be mindful and intentional about which one do you want to pick up on? Right. And that that's where like, I really um, work with a lot of my clients on. It's like, hey, like, yes, you've got all this other stuff that you're coming through with that's ancestral trauma, but you also have like the healing part of it is like claiming these, like, I call them like family heirlooms that are medicine that you get to carry with right. you into the like, into your everyday life. Right. I think that's extremely important. Just, I just drifted off into a thought that like, not only can your, you know, your, your family, you know, trauma and all that stuff, like stop you from being or doing the thing that brings you the most joy in life because of like how it may be perceived or what it changes for you. But also like the, the way that you deal with people, the way that you relate to people, like for me, I am very, I don't like to say that I am very confrontational, but if something is bothering me, I'm very um, vocal in wanting to share the majority of the time. I'm very sensitive. I will cry about it, <laughs> but I like to bring it up where a lot of people like to brush things under the rug. And I feel like a lot of times we can't get to a place of healing because a lot of the things that are being brought up that we're carrying from our great grandparents or great, great, great grandparents, like all these things, like you want to bring them up. You want to vocalize the pattern, but no one is there to receive that. And no one's there to acknowledge that, you know, because they're so in, so used to being that way or existing in this, in this regard that it's just like, Oh, don't bring that up. That's taboo. Number one. And number two, like, we're just going to sweep that under here. And then the next generation can carry that with them <laughs> kind of a thing. Right. And so how much of that is related to silence is safety. And, and, and also bringing it back, like expanding it back out to collectively. If you look at like historical context, how many stories of individuals of color are silenced, right? There's really only one type of history that gets told, right? The framework is from a very 
white framework. <laughs> Let's be real. And so if the people that are writing history are framing it in a specific type of way, then when you start to speak against that, you're seen as threatening. Right. right. So I come back to like what came up, as you said, that is like silence is safety, right? Like how many cultures are just like need to stay safe, can't speak up. But the reality is what we saw in 2020 was this phenomenon of silence is not safety. Breaking that paradigm and saying speaking out is safety. Right. Speaking up is safety. Advocating for oneself is safety. Right. And so we're seeing that paradigm shift on what safety actually means right. for individuals. I'm really loving the conversation shift around mental illness. I noticed a big change. I used to get really chastised for taking a mental health day. And now that I see that it's actually being pushed onto people is a beautiful thing. I love that we can openly talk about the struggles that people have. And there's like, you know, my parents don't want me talking about it. <laughs> no, no, my fam, it's not that they don't want me talking about it. It's just that it's not natural for them. I can do whatever I want. They will support me in whatever, but it's so unnatural that it's almost like, ugh, you know, she's out there doing that. So we still have that kind of person. But to me, I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, like you're, we're out here and we're talking about things like that. We're talking about, I just recently spoke about my fertility issues. Like these are things that like, there is a shift where a lot of women and families would never talk about their, in, you know, their incapability to, to produce children. Like a lot of people still tell me like, oh, that's no one's business, but your own. It's like, yeah, but this is why I feel so horrible and shitty about it because no one talks about it. Right. Because if we all talked about, you know, our shared struggle, wouldn't we be able to open, open new pathways of love and healing? Right. And so that framework is what's really powerful because the opposite is like keeping secrets, which we know only produces shame, whereas speaking up and speaking out produces healing and it produces like love and a vibration of love. And I think that so many um, generations prior are so used to speaking up about certain things in a certain specific way, again, for safety. And they're getting used to the fact that we're allowed to talk about things that we weren't allowed to talk about before. Like, if you think about it, like, what, uh, 50 years ago, maybe like 40 years ago, like, did we talk about divorce the way that we talk about divorce now, right? There's, so there's this progression in society of like what we're allowed to talk about and, what, and how we're allowed to talk about it that has improved. And I think, you know, so many people right now are focused on problems and like they're venting about the problems that are in our society, which works to a certain extent. But what has to happen is that shift into solution-focused outcomes and solution-focused um, and strength-based conversations, right? Like being able to have conversations that are conscious that provide solutions. And if we just keep talking about the problem, then we're not gonna get anywhere. It's like, we have to talk about the problem and then like, here's what we wanna do to replace that. Right, yeah. I um, had an issue with a family member and, um, 
it was really, it was traumatizing, not to sound victim-y, but it was pretty horrendous. I didn't realize that they had been messaging me until the second time they messaged me. And then once they messaged me, um, I received a phone call from my husband and I was in the shower. We were in the house and I was like, okay, what's this about? And he was like, did you see what so-and-so just sent you? I'm not going to name the person. It's actually the first time I'm saying it out loud. And I look at my phone and there is a very sexually explicit message from a very close family member of mine, an elder. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? So then I, I call, um, you know, my respective family member that should be able to deal with this. And they're like, nope, I'm not owning that. That's your problem with that person. And they're having their own issues. And that's why they're doing that to you. And I'm not going to touch it. And I'm like, but you're so, like, how do we not address this? <laughs> like, this is a really, this is harass, this is sexual harassment by a family member. This is like a big deal. Like, this is traumatizing. Like, I grew up with this person. Like, oh my God. Like, I feel so assaulted. And then I go and I bring it up. And it's like, well, why did you even bring this up to me? I'm not addressing this. The only person that can protect you is you. And then, you know, fast forward to Mother's Day. And here I'm not even told that this person's going to be there. So they're like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I, I have anxiety anyway. I have CPSD. I have PTSD. I have all, I have, you know, like I have things that I have going on. So I'm like, well, I have to address this. And the person walks in and it was like nothing had ever happened. Hey, Christina, how are you doing? I was like, no, no, like don't even enter my space until we sit down and address what happened. And then let me tell you, this person's partner was just standing in the corner of the kitchen, silent, no defending them. My aunt came in and was like, no, 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 we all got the same kind of treatment. And I was like, so how does that make it correct? How does that make it right? And then this person's just apologizing me, touching me. And I was like, don't touch me. I blanked out. And I was like, I can't forgive this. And we're just going to have to move on. But I'm in this space because the rest of the, my people are here. So I had to address this. But no one except for my husband came to my defense. And I had never been so blown away in that moment by ancestral trauma and generational bullshit ever. I was like, oh my God, the fact that no one is addressing that this is a problem is a problem. And the fact that I'm standing up for myself shouldn't be the problem. And it's just really interesting that that's the way that a lot of families work. And a lot of, I hate to like, claim this, but a lot of people of color, a lot of cultural families always feel like they have to be quiet because if they're not quiet and it gets the attention of maybe like an authority or something, God knows what can happen. Right. And I think that that's where what you're speaking to goes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Where it's like silence equals safety. And like some of these things are so ingrained where it's like, you have to be quiet in order to kind of just like sweep it under the rug. Like, let's just like 
move on. Let's just go to the next thing. And I, and I think part of the challenge is that when you have, um, I'll just label it like when you have younger generations that are like, Hey, this isn't right, you know, or, or they're like, Hey, we need to change this in the family. A lot of it comes down to like change and people don't like change. And then also like, we're talking about safety. We're talking about security. We're talking about like survival. So if we start to shift how the family is structured, how do people learn how to survive in the new structure? How do they learn what safety looks like in the new structure? So even though it may not seem like it, it's uncomfortable for everyone because like there probably are some family members that are like, we need to address this, right? But they're not comfortable verbalizing that. So instead they stay silent. And then you have some other family members that are like, hey, like we need to stay quiet because like, this is going to bring unwanted attention to our family. And they're so ingrained in the old patterns. that it's like, even though they know that there are newer um, opportunities available for them, they're not going to be willing to take it. Right. And so like what we see is like, you know, with the millennial generation, we know that like they are so more apt to go to therapy and to talk about it freely and be like, like you're sitting down with your girlfriends at lunch and you're like, girl you believe what my therapist just told me today like this is wild like this is crazy whereas like if our um if our mothers were out with their friends like one maybe somebody has a therapist most of them probably don't and they definitely wouldn't feel comfortable talking about what their therapist shared with them in a session right so that's where we're talking about not just like the ancestral trauma but we're talking about like generational patterns that are shifting Mm -hmm. and they're opening up to more opportunities for healing and like how does like the old class deal with the new class and like finding some type of balance in the middle um and it's a it's a learning curve and and it's rough and it doesn't always feel great feels really shitty sometimes um but the more that you focus I, I, and I, I tell a lot of people this, I like talk to myself about this too. It's like the more that you focus on like what your healing is and like what you can do for yourself, like how can you provide yourself safety and security, then it makes it easier to not rely on other people to provide right. that for you. Right. And I think that that's where we have to start. Like the journey starts internally, independently first, and then into the collective, into the family system, and then into the, the collective of like all the individuals that we have an opportunity to engage in. Because that's really what the ripple effect is. The ripple effect is like who I am, what I do, how I think impacts you when I engage with you. And then how you feel after you engage with me impacts how you connect with the next person, right? And right. so when we go into this place of like, oh, I really don't like how that just went down, but we have an opportunity to like regulate the nervous system and to really like let the body settle. Then you can go into that next interaction from a place of safety and security, but also responsive versus reactive. Right. And it's not to say that um, it's not a judgment, right? Like it makes sense that we would want to react to that like type of situation, But in, but in the end, who does it really serve if we're just getting activated in our nervous system? It doesn't help us. 
right? It doesn't help me and my anxiety, me and like my trauma symptoms, right? It doesn't help you. It doesn't help anyone else who struggles with, you know, CP, uh, CPTSD or anxiety or depression. It doesn't help any individuals that struggle with mental health. Right. But if we focus on like what we can do in the moment to feel better and to feel, have the body feel regulated and to feel settled. Right then we can engage with individuals in a much different fashion Yes. versus being reactive. Exactly. No, you're a thousand percent right. And, you know, something that you said really, like you are your own best advocate. So like what you said, like I didn't really expect anyone to come to my rescue in that specific situation. Um, I was blown away that more people weren't just like, how could we? forgive this type of behavior, but I, I'm always, I've been my own advocate for so many years that like, I'm right there with you. I think a lot of people need to like, understand that, you know, sometimes it starts with you, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's how things start to shift it, you know, within your family, like you have to be that catalyst. You have to be that beginning ripple. Um, and there's just like so much to, learn and move through that um, coming from a a place, like you said, of reactivity isn't the best um, for you mentally or physically, emotionally at all, you know, breathing through situations and really settling into it. I'm coming from that place is more constructive. Right. And, and it's, and it's not just like more constructive. It's also like coming at it from a perspective of like, I want to be more conscious and intentional of like what I bring to the table. And so when you look at it, it's like, you know what? I can't control what other people are going to do. Right. I can't change what other people are going to do. And I did not cause any of this, right? Like can't control it, can't change it, didn't cause it. And really focusing on like, well, what kind of like energy, what kind of experience do I want to bring to people that I'm interacting with? Right. And, and then being able to like shift into that. And it's not like coming from a place of like spiritually bypassing. It's like, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to step out of that situation. I'm going to go treat my nervous system. I'm going to regulate my nervous system. going to give my body an opportunity to settle. And then if I choose to, I'll re-engage with the individual. If not, then like I'll leave the situation, right? Because you have that power and you have that ability too. So like being able to understand that there is like a spectrum of opportunities available. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit more about the work that you do with women um, in regards to ancestral healing and, and trauma. Yeah. You know, a lot of my work with women right now is focusing on like unlearning a lot of these like societal, um, political um, and family constructs that have been passed down. It's like really like I call it like we do a lot of like energy work, but we also do a lot of like rewiring neuropathways where there's this energetic shedding and somatic scripting that happens where it's like we're not just like changing your belief system. We're also like shifting the energy that's in your body and clearing out a lot of the, the trauma and the, um, like the patterns that have been passed down and reframing it. So it's like, you're choosing a new 
behavior, you're choosing a new way of like being. Um, And it's not new in the sense of like brand new, it's new in the sense of like, you're coming home to yourself and you're remembering the tools that you have available to you. Right. And so I think a lot of women, specifically women of color, have a lot of pressure on them of like what they're supposed, how they're supposed to behave and how they're supposed to act and speak in different types of settings. And there's this extra pressure on them when they're in a leadership role or like whether it's leadership, whether it's um, like a mother role, whether it's in a relationship, like the pressure of like conforming to these societal constructs and releasing all of that by being able to like access the wisdom that they have from their ancestors who are amazing, who have strengths and have gifts that they're, they're willing to pass down. It's not just ancestral trauma that's passed down. There's also ancestral wisdom that's passed down. And that's what we work on them reclaiming and, and regaining access to. That's beautiful. I'm so excited. So I know that you've just like recently announced like a bunch of fun things on your social media. So maybe you want to talk a little bit more about that here. Yeah. So um, really quickly, like I, you know, definitely have my doctorate, like you said, and I was previously on Instagram as Dr. Alexis Rose, but I realized through my own ancestry work that like there was a part of me that was like playing small by having that be uh, my Instagram handle because it was like, yes, I'm owning my doctorate, but like, why am I owning it? And it was specifically to be like, well, like I'm a woman of color. I, this is like, I'm showing you my value up front with that. And so I got to the place where I'm like, I don't need to do that anymore. And so I switched um, my, you know, name and, and, and the focus. I mean, the focus was always there, but like being more bold and intentional about the focus of my business being about lineage and legacy and focusing on like, we're going to do the work around the ancestral trauma so that you can release that and so that you can acquire that those wisdom, those gifts, and also build a legacy that's actually worth repeating, right? right? Choosing to repeat a legacy that is worthy of that versus like, we're just repeating this because this is what we've always known. Right. Um, and with that is, you know, I created this, um, I noticed that there's a lot of women of color, spiritual entrepreneurs that just don't have a space to talk about um, society and the pressures in society, um, the pressures of being an entrepreneur who's also a woman of color. And I decided that this was coming up too much in my one-on-ones with clients. And I was like, we're just going to do a mentorship. (laughs) So it's a, I, have the waitlist open right now for lineage and legacy and it's a six-month mentorship um, where it's going to be a culturally conscious container Um, yeah Uh, where we can talk about race and we can talk about um, constructs and conforming and like how we start to release those constructs and conformity so that you can be a liberated leader so you can be a leader that feels good in your own standpoint and in your own ability to like lead others while also understanding like what to do when you get activated by your own um trauma when you're like leading others and that happens a lot and I think a lot of um individuals don't know how to deal with their own stuff when it comes up while they're leading Right. Right. And so instead of like creating the separation 
to like compartmentalize. It's like, no, you're going to deal with your stuff and still continue to lead versus being like, eh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Right. That's so exciting. I've been <laughs> waiting for something like this. <laughs> well, so I just also want to mention, cause I know I didn't mention it in the beginning and it's just like, keeps ringing in my ear. Dr. Alexis has been a big part of the love vibe facilitator program and soul flow facilitator program. And so she taught us a lot in there too. Um, so I can, and that was like, I, that was the most amazing morning of the retreat was like, or I think it was in the morning or afternoon. Yeah, it was in the morning for you yeah. guys. <laughs> it was like you and learning. I can only imagine what six months of that would be like, because um, you just have so much within you. Um, and also, I want to mention your Cafe Con Lexi. Oh, yes. <laughs> Saturdays at 10 a.m. And she has already talked about inner child work and intergenerational trauma um, and did I miss one? No, specifically intergenerational trauma on systemic racism. It's systemic racism. Sorry, I missed mm-hmm. that last point. Yeah. And so I like look forward to seeing the announcements for that all the time. I just, mm-hmm. I just always want to share your work. Oh, I appreciate you. You know, I love you. <laughs> I love you. And I thank you so much for, um, for you giving me your time today and, and chatting with me and teaching us and I think we should continue to do these. I think that they're really important. I agree. I think we could definitely do a couple of (laughs) follow-ups. I think so. I think people need it more than they even realize, you know, Mm -hmm. just such an inspirational woman. So I just thank you for being you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, thanks again for being on the show. And I guess uh, stay tuned for the next episode. If you need to actually, um, before I end it, um, get in touch with her. She's lineage and legacy on Instagram and on Facebook. Where can they find you? I am not even on Facebook. I'm not. So on Instagram, Instagram. <laughs> it's perfect. She's the best. Um, so I'd, I'd like to end with that. Um, so thank you again and, uh, tune in for the next one guys.